Hey guys, this is Din. And this is Rich. And welcome to Z Talk, the Zelda Dungeon Podcast. We're on podcast number 11! So we're coming up on our one year of podcasts, Mark. We're going to have a birthday! We're going to have a birthday here at Z Talk. Woohoo! Um, before we get started with the podcast, we'd like to say a couple things. First off, we'd like to thank Zelda Music Lover. He has made some um, intro music for some of the more regular segments at ZTalk, and uh, we want to thank him very much for doing that for us. And um, we want to talk about the Keaton Quiz a bit. You guys will notice that today we'll have somebody who's been on the Keaton Quiz before. Now, there's a very specific reason for this. We have some issues with time zones. We've had lots of people submit um, applications to the Keaton Quiz, and we want you all to know that we are working down the list. Um, but we, like I said, we've had some timing issues, so we've had to have someone come back. But we promise we are moving through the list. And as soon as we have somebody knock down Cinnamon, then we it'll be a lot easier to kind of get through it. Yes. Um, and the only other thing we want to say, and the reason we're saying this, is because we thought this was completely clear, but we got a question on it, which means it's not. <laughs> so... We want to tell everybody that we're always welcoming more segments. You guys know the segments. You've heard a bunch. Cinnamon's become a regular contributor. Some other people have as well. But we want everybody to contribute. Everybody's welcome to send us stuff. You do not have to be a staff member or a moderator or anything at Zelda Dungeon. As long as you want to talk about Zelda and have recording equipment, you can send in a segment. Just choose something that you're passionate about and go with it. And um, there's a link in the description below called The Invitation, and it's um, a little write-up on the forums about things we want um, to make sure are good about your segment, just recording quality and that kind of thing. Um, and that's those are the only requirements, guys. That's it, so keep those segments coming in. We're always looking for more, because every month we're coming up a little shy and we gotta work at getting some more. So give us lots, please. Alright, I think that's all of our announcements. I think that's everything, so let's get to the podcast. Alright, let's go to our first segment. So, first up on the podcast, we have Cinnamon, and she's going to be talking about the AI intelligence in Zelda games for enemies. Oh, well, I would say, without even hearing it, that they're not very bright, some of them. Okay, so AI unintelligence, then. <laughs> and uh, in case you guys didn't notice, in the last podcast, Cinnamon has come up with a... Um, title for her segment. That's right. So, we will go on to Cinnamon's Zelda Spice. Take it away, Cinnamon. Hey everyone, Cinnamon here again with your monthly dose of Zelda Spice. 
So uh, some of you may remember in podcast number eight when I was ranting about the dead man's folly, at one point I got just a tad off topic and started hating on Maladus, the big bad blue floaty skull train monster thing, dude, yeah, you know, from Sphere Tracks, who I called the most inept boss in any game ever. And some of you may have been wondering, Jason, why are you hating on Maladus so much? And even if you don't care, well, too bad, because I'm going to explain anyway, so you might as well put up with it, all right, all right. Well, anyway, more broadly, I'm going to just generally poke fun at the faulty enemy intelligence in the Legend of Zelda series, because frankly, Maladus was a bloody idiot in his battle strategies. But more on that later. Something you notice about gaming after a while is that you really can't expect enemies to respond intelligently to anything that you do, and I mean anything. I mean, the vast majority of enemies pretty much just charge at you, rather blindly and rather idiotically, the moment you come within their range of sight. And I'm sure we all agree that charging blindly at Mr. Big Shot Hero with a sacred blade of evil's bane is not really the best way to go. I guess maybe it's understandable for the first few unfortunate chaps that happen to notice him since, you know, one lone swordsman, no reinforcements, lots of monsters around for backup, why not? But then consider the monsters who are last to charge into the fray. I mean, they've probably just witnessed every friend they've ever had and every comrade they've ever fought with being brutally torn to shreds and slashed to bits by a single lone boy about the age of 10. Or 17 as it may be with certain games, but you get the general idea. I mean, he's not supposed to look that intimidating. And yet he's just taken down a skeletal mob charging from all sides in 5 seconds flat like it's some kind of child's play. I mean, if I were, say, oh, a stall child, let's go stall child, and I saw all of that, I'd probably freak out and hightail it out of there, wouldn't you? But no, the stall children keep running to their dooms at Link's Blade, no regard for self-preservation whatsoever. Though to be fair, at least the stall children of Ocarina of Time had enough common sense to call for reinforcements in the form of progressively larger stall children. I mean, they get larger, 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 some of them get really, really, really huge. But even the really big ones are just as weak as the normal ones. And I don't know whether I'm supposed to blame bad enemy intelligence for that so much as just nonsensical enemy design. Your call. Anyways, I suppose one could argue that, oh, they're enemies. It's in their instincts to charge at and take down any intruders that they see. Which may very well be the case, but it still doesn't excuse the fact that they're still reckless imbeciles. Also, it's not even just in battle that they behave like brainless maniacs, and I've got a rather humorous anecdote to illustrate my point. Story time! Anyways, in Twilight Princess, specifically in the city in the sky, there is this one room that has two armored foes standing on opposite corners. And like most rooms in the city in the sky, there are a lot of gaps in the ground. And in this room, there were two such gaps between where these two foes were standing. Now, I don't know about you, but I really like to make things go boom. So rather than dance a swords battle on a floor ridden with bottomless pits, I decide to bomb arrow the suckers. So I bomb arrow one of them, easy peasy. He goes boom, he dies, yay! So now what does the second one do? He decides he's just gonna waltz on over there and investigate why there was an explosion, which in itself is pretty ridiculous since the two are standing, what, just a few yards apart? Is he blind or something? And of course, being the little idiot that he is, he ends up walking straight off of his platform through the gaps in the floor, floor, falling down to his doom in the abyss below. What makes it more absurd is that had Link gone and grabbed their attention by engaging in battle, they would have jumped that gap to meet him. 
So, I really don't know what to make of that. Now, I will give credit where credit is due. Not all enemies have the brain capacity of a two-year-old child. Some of them actually show a degree of intelligence and strategy. While masters actually attempt to take you by surprise, Redeads know to stun you before attempting an assault, Wizards teleport around to throw you off guard, even some of the bosses are capable of proper intelligence, to a certain degree. I mean, yes, most bosses are just brainlessly repeating the same old, clearly flawed battle tactics repeatedly until Link kills them, but some are smart enough to defend themselves. For example, Star-Lord from Twilight Princess at least adds traps to the spinner tracks and has more Stalfos defending his spine as the battle goes on. And Darkling from Ocarina of Time with his whole jump onto Link's sword tactics, I'm sure we all know that one. But sadly enough, those are actually about the only two shows of intelligence I can recall. You asked me to list out how many ways bosses have shown their idiocies, and I can give you a mile-long list, no problem. Some of my favorites are as follows. Ocarina of Time's King Dodongo, whose entire battle comprised of roaring at Link, thus allowing ample opportunity for bomb throwing, and rolling around at the speed of a ball of molasses. Majora from Majora's Mask, who freely and gladly gives Link the fierce deity mask that turns the final bottle into little more than a series of mindless button mashings. Argarok from Twilight Princess, who despite being a great big fire-breathing dragon, decides to just hover mindlessly, turning around in circles with a ring of pihas, not even attempting to fly around or anything. There's a ton more examples, but my absolute favorite would have to be Maladus. And that's where we go back to what I meant when I called Maladus the most inept boss in any game ever. Should I call a spoiler alert here? May as well, so uh, yeah, Spirit Track spoiler alert. Proceed at thy own risk and all that good stuff. To start off, Maladus as a character, not even as a boss, but simply as a character, sucked. He is supposedly this great and powerful demon king who terrorized the land that was to become New Hyrule, and it took the spirits a great prolonged war to lock him away. Enter Chancellor Cole, that insane demonic leprechaun dude that revives Maladus, and also sort of in a way controls him. I mean, if you pay close attention to Cole and Maladus' interactions, Cole is calling most of the shots. When Maladus is revived, Cole talks for Maladus. Cole reassures Maladus. Cole leads Maladus onto his own freaking train. Cole tells Maladus what to do. Oh, your majesty, you should do this. Oh, your majesty, you really should do that. The only time Maladus shows any deviation from Cole's desires is when he possesses Cole's body. And while that gave him a vessel with which to fight, I mean, anything is better than that ridiculous, cartoony, gaseous blue skull with rubber teeth that he calls his true form. Possessing Cole sure didn't help Maladus at all in the battle strategy department. Let's look at how he fights. Stage 1. He keeps his distance well away from Link, a boy no bigger than his head, and Zelda, who can't even move since she's praying. He shoots flaming boulders that not only defy all laws of physics, but also shatter at one touch of a sword. This entire time, he doesn't even think it plausible to run the two kids over with his giant bulk. Stage 2. Zelda is wielding the only weapon that can either reach him or harm his weak point. Yet it is Link he goes after non-stop, and Link's sword can't even scratch his skin. You'd think at the very least, after Zelda shoots him, he'd think, Hey, this boy can't do squat to me, but that girl's arrows really hurt. I should take her out first. But no, he still goes after Link doesn't pay a lick of attention to Zelda. Maybe Maladish just gets really itchy with Link poking at his legs or something. Though if I were him, 
I'd place eliminate lethal light arrows at a higher priority than eliminate harmless itch. And also seriously, what kind of demon king has his true form as a bubbly, rubbery, light blue skull? I mean, it looks like something out of Looney Tunes, or something else equally insane. I'm sorry, but Maladus is just one boss that I think failed in all regards. Every single individual regard, he just totally failed. He epitomizes video game enemy idiocy for me. Like, like he is the god of video game enemy idiocy. So yeah, anyway, rant's done. Please carry on with your lives and podcast enjoyment. Bye, B. So, uh... I think Cinnamon doesn't like Maladus. You know what? I have to agree with her, though. Uh, most of the enemies in Zelda, their battle strategies are not exactly up to par with, you know, taking over the known world. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. Or even killing the lone swordsman. <laughs> Who's, as she said, between the age of, like, 7 and 20. Yeah, he's, uh... <laughs> Not exactly the most menacing person on the face of the planet. Thanks for your uh, segment, Cinnamon. So next up on the podcast, we have a submission from Tingle. John. Tingle. John. Whatever, he's, he's, he's both. Anyway... We have a submission from Tangle about the timeline, um, and he's focused in a little bit on Link's Awakening. So uh, we'll head over to Tangle for that. John. Hey there, guys. John here from Zelda Dungeon, also known as Tangle on the Zelda Dungeon forums. I'm not on there very often, but if you want to add me, you can do. This is a one-off podcast segment known as the one hour Zelda timeline crash course and basically what this is is me spending an hour looking at a segment of the Zelda timeline theory and kind of giving my own thoughts on it telling you about what I've learned it's not supposed to be incredibly in-depth and it's not always going to be completely correct it's just me who's not someone who spends a lot of time looking at the timeline theory but it's somebody who has a somewhat interest in it and wants to learn a bit more so I'm not going to spend too long doing this I'm going to spend an hour looking at each argument and then I'm going to uh, give my thoughts on it and a little conclusion as to what I think obviously there's going to be some missing things here so uh, bear with me on that I am just trying to as I say, crash course. We're going to be looking at the... Where does Link's Awakening fit into the Zelda timeline debate? Now, I know this is quite a hotly disputed one, or at least it used to be. I checked the Zelda Dungeon uh, forums, and there's quite a lot of debate as to where this goes in the timeline. So I did spend a lot of time of the hour looking on there to see what I could find out. The two arguments that I found were the most prominent were that it takes place after A Link's to the Past. And the other argument was that it takes place after the Oracle games. So Oracle of Ages and Seasons, the linked ending. So I'm going to look at both of those and I'm going to have a look at the arguments, why and why not. So yeah, and then I'm going to give a little conclusion. 
So without further ado, let's go into the first argument, and that is that it takes place after A Link to the Past. Well, the first reason why is pretty easy to understand. Link's Awakening came out in 1993. At the time, there were only three other Zelda games out. Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2 Adventure of Link, and Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. Now, the game followed on pretty much directly at that time. It couldn't fit on the end of Legend of Zelda. It probably didn't fit on the end of A Link to the Past, especially due to the backstory which we'll get into in a minute. So it only seemed possible that it could fit on the end of A Link to the Past. So, yeah. On top of that, the artwork and graphic style were very similar to that of A Link to the Past. Now, I did mention the backstory, and the backstory mentioned that Link was on his travels after defeating Ganon. Now, that's a very, very uh, summarized look at the backstory. It's quite a long backstory for the manual, but we're just going to keep it at that, which already rules out it taking place after Adventure of Link, because he didn't actually fight Ganon in that game. Uh, so yeah. Now that's actually another reason why people believe that it takes place after Into the Past, instead of the Oracles. Because, apparently, after he saves Hyrule by defeating Ganon, he goes on his travels, which ends up as a, Link to, as a Link's Awakening. So, in the Link of the Past, he defeated Ganon and saved Hyrule. But he didn't do that in Oracle of Ages Seasons, did he? Well, that's where the other side of it starts to come in. Now, at the end of the Oracle's Link game, Link is seen sailing away on a sailboat. At the beginning of Link's Awakening, Link is seen sailing on a sailboat. So, that's obviously where the first connection came from. Again, the graphical style and the artwork is again similar to Link's Awakening, so again there's the link there. But getting back to what I've just said about Ganon and saving Hyrule. Now, people say that... At this, this is very spoilerish, by the way. So, people say that Link didn't save Hyrule in the Oracle games. And they say he didn't defeat Ganon. Now, to me... You can possibly argue that he didn't save Hyrule, but for me, you can't argue that he didn't defeat Ganon. People say that it doesn't count that he defeated Ganon in the Oracle games because it was like a half-revived Ganon. He was just a, a, a mad monster. He had absolutely no rational thought whatsoever. He was just... He was basically half-baked, basically. So, that's obviously not a, a huge threat, and he doesn't count. Now... I don't know if, if it's just me, but if you defeat Ganon, you defeat Ganon. It doesn't matter if it's like half of Ganon. It doesn't matter if it's Ganon's pinky finger. It doesn't matter, you beat Ganon. Now, saving Hyrule, I'd also dispute that Link does in fact save Hyrule in the Oracle games. Look at it this way. Let's go back in history. Hitler, yeah, this seems very off topic, but... Hitler was a threat to the US, to England, to France, etc. Link, egg, Link. Hitler, yeah, there's a bit, bit of a difference. Hitler actually did take over France. But why does that not mean that he would then be a threat to England, or to the US, or Poland, or whatever? 
Of course he's a threat. If he's taken over an ally, he's a threat. If he's now expanding, Ganon, if he takes over Holdrum, Labrina, whatever, if he takes them over, of course he's a threat to Hyrule. I mean, it's Ganon, he's not going to just stay there. Also, at the end of the Oracle Games, Zelda's there. Zelda, Princess of Hyrule. If he kills Zelda, or physically harms Zelda, he's a threat to Hyrule. Now, that's my opinion on the topic, but that's how I see it anyway. So we'll move on. At the end of, a Link of Link's Awakening, Link battles the Nightmare creature. And two of the Nightmares in that are Ganon and Aghanim from A Link to the Past. So Link must have some knowledge of their existence, and so he must be linked to the A Link to the Past Link. Now, that is the argument for taking place after A Link to the Past, and while I do agree with that, there's also a theory that this could also represent the Ganon and Aghanim from the Oracle games. Now, I know what you're thinking. Where is Aghanim in the Oracle games? Well, Aghanim's actually the mini-boss of the Dancing Dragon dungeon in Oracle of Seasons. Now, that really is kind of clutching at straws, but it does seem a bit weird that they chuck Aghanim into the game just to have Aghanim in the game. Now, maybe they're trying to breach the gap, but it seems a bit of a weak connection, and I would sort of agree with the whole idea of it being more fo focused on Link of the Past. Because I honestly don't believe they had a Zelda timeline theory until probably about Wind Waker. Anyways, the next point that people come up with there on that topic is that maybe the Oracle games link directly to Link's Awakening, but also link to A Link of the Past, as all three of them have the same link. Now, this would make sense for what I've just mentioned, because then that link would have um, knowledge of Aghanim from A Link of the Past, and Ganon, but there is a problem with that. In the linked ending to Oracle of Ages and Seasons, Zelda is there, and Zelda sees Link, and Zelda seems to have absolutely no idea who this hero is. He has, she has no idea who Link is, so therefore it seems incredibly unlikely, unless she's under some sort of traumatic distress disorder. I have no idea, but that seems a bit uh, far-fetched for a Zelda game. She can't have forgotten him that early. Come on, if it's the same Link, and they both look pretty much the same, for the her to forget who he is from A Link to the Past to Oracle of Age of Seasons seems a bit unlikely to me. So I would say that it's, that is a bit of a flaw in that theory. So I've looked at the Zelda timeline, I know it's been very, very brief, and it's just a couple of points. It's basically just a crash course in the whole thing. So, looking at the Zelda timeline, I would like to say that it probably does go Oracles to Link's Awakening. I can see why people think it's the other way. I just always have preferred to think of it as Oracles linking to Link's Awakening. Because anywhere else on the Zelda timeline, it seems very, very improbable that oracles would be there. And this just seems like the most natural fit. Of course, this is just a, a one-hour crash course theory, so it's not very in-depth. And there's probably lots of plot holes in there that I haven't gone into. But this is all for debate, so if you want to talk about this further, then uh, check out the comments below and uh, the forums. See you later, guys. 
Thank you, John, for your crash course on how Link's Awakening uh, joins into the timeline. Tingle. John. Tingle. It's John. Anyways, guys, um, I'm not going to let Din talk anymore, wait, and wait. we'll talk to you guys in a second with the next segment. It's time for the mailbag! Alright guys, welcome back to another edition of the Z-Talk mailbag. Woohoo! So, we have lots of voice submissions. Well, a couple anyways this time. We always love voice submissions. We do. Um, so keep those voice submissions coming in, and we always want more mail. We have quite a bit of mail on the mailbag, so we're going to try to put a big dent in it. So, our first couple voice questions come from the same person. They come from the Zelda Knight. So, let's go to her first question. Alright. Hey, Z-Talk. I'd just like to ask Din what the proper pronunciation is for the people of Hyrule. Is it Hylan, Hylene, or Hyrulean? I've heard lots, but I'm pretty sure it's Hylene. Thanks, Z-Talk, and see ya! All right, Dinah, it looks like she wants your opinion. You're our resident expert on this. <laughs> well, I'd like to point out that I am not an expert at by any means. I did the submission that uh, segment because I thought it was cool, and yeah. But um, in my opinion, I have always pronounced it Hylian, like you're a, a Hylian person. Um, I have heard Hyrulean, which makes a lot of sense if you're using it in that kind of context where you're saying... Um, He's from Hyrule, so he's a Hyrulean, but I say Hylian. So, I hope that answers your question, and I'd like to stress that I am not the expert on the subject. <laughs> you are between me and you. Okay, well, sure. <laughs> and I do believe she has another question, so let's go to that. Hey Z-Talk, another from The Zelda Knight. Why is it the Keaton Quiz? Is it a random fact? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> you know what? It's the Keaton quiz because it's the Keaton quiz. Okay, no, that's not a real that's answer. That's a horrible answer. Hey! Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, if you remember from Majora's Mask, they have a Keaton quiz. And we decided, hey, what better title to use Zelda facts questions with than Keaton quiz? Because in the game, they yeah. use Zelda facts. Well, facts from the game, yeah. From, from Majora's from Mask. That yeah. So, I don't know, we thought it was it was kind of, I mean, you guys know me and I love puns and that's kind of what I do. Um, and I thought it was appropriate. I thought it was an appropriate title. Yeah. So, so that's why it's the Keaton Quiz. And if you notice, I play the Keaton Quiz music at the beginning of the Keaton Quiz. True enough. Uh-huh. So, thank you very much for your two questions, the Zelda Knight. And we'll move on to our text questions. Alright, so our first mailbag question comes from DaDude1200. And the question is, do you think Majora in Skyward Sword would be awesome? Mm, 
Not really. <laughs> to me, simply put, the answer would be no, no, because it wouldn't make any sense really to have Majora in Skyward Sword. We might. I mean, I, I highly, highly doubt it, and I, I think this is going on a limb, out on a limb. We might see the, um, the you know the Dark Tribe and all that. We're thinking that's going to be the. I mean, we've kind that's kind of been confirmed with um, Gearheim, but. Um, I don't think that we will see Majora at all, and I don't think I'd want to because he is so um, specific to Termina and yeah. To Majora's Mask. Yeah. Our next question comes from Dante Link Cloud, and he asks Did you like the Indigo Goes? From, from Majora's Mask? From Majora's Mask. So, what do you say to that? Yeah. Of course, they were awesome! (laughs) I think so too. And the second part of the question is, would you like them to make a cameo in the next game? You know, this kind of goes along with um, what we just said about Majora. I think when you you take something that really was a hit and was an awesome, unique uh, character or idea or concept, and then you continually reuse it, it loses its value. So, I mean... A cameo is short and sweet and to the point. It would be kind of cool like if it was like, hey, the Indiegogos just left last night or whatever. They'd be like, hey, that's But not cool. actually in the game. And I highly doubt we'll see them because they're at, they're from Termina. You know, they're in a, a different world or dimension or whatever you call it from Hyrule. So. For sure. Our next question comes from Sawyer. And Sawyer asks, what is your favorite boss battle in Orcarina of Time? Twilight Princess, and Majora's Mask. Those are my three favorite games. <laughs> Can you choose just one favorite I out of all three, or do you want to choose no. one each? I think, well, he's asking what each, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, um, from Ocarina of Time, that one's really hard for me to pick one. Um, I really like Baronade. Um, I've always really liked Morpha. Um, Volvagi is really cool. She's, or he's kind of easy. But, cool concept. It's glorified whack-a-mole. Um, from Twilight Princess, I'd pick Agarok. Axel the Beast is yelling at me now. But, um, I did like Agarok. I thought he was really cool. And from Majora's Mask, I would pick, um, Gott, for sure. The, uh, the bull running around the, at the top of the tower. Yeah. Uh, for, for... Ocarina of Time, I would personally, I'd have to choose like Twin Rover or something like that. Twin Rover was another really good one in that game. Um, and Twilight Princess, I don't really have a, I don't have a specific that I you really s- like all that much. You said you liked, um, Firus, the, the guy with the chains where you pulled him. I do, but I, I don't have a favorite favorite. Okay. And then Majora's Mask, I have to agree with Din and say got. Our next question comes from... Bob, Bob Tarok. I'm sorry, yep. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, in your opinion, what is the easiest, hardest, worst, and best Zelda game? So I think we should do this by category. So the easiest Zelda game comes to be... Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess, but, where they hold your hand and walk. But I the loved game. it. I loved that game. Yeah, it was easy, and I 
had, yeah, but I loved it. It was a great game. All right, and the next category is? Hardest. The hardest. I personally have to say Link's Awakening would be one of the harder ones, for sure. Um, I would pick The Adventure of Link as the hardest one for me. So we're in complete agreement that the <laughs> earliest the Zelda early games. games are the hardest. Now the next category is the worst Zelda game of the series. I think we're in agreement for that, too. <laughs> the CD the CDI's. eyes. <laughs> you know what? I know some of you guys say, hey, those are not Zelda games. And you know what? For worst Zelda game, we'll say that they're Zelda games. The CD eyes. And, and the, the best. best Zelda game. This is well, a tough easy. question. No, well, I think it's a tough question. Okay. Well, okay, you say what you think. I would pick Ocarina of Time, but I'm totally biased because it was my first. Um, Majora's Mask is really, really good, too. Um, Wind Waker's a good game. I just... The graphics are hard on me. But I guess I'd pick Ocarina of Time. The uh, original Ocarina of Time. I would have to say Ocarina of Time. And you know what? I'm really liking... Ocarina of Time 3D. I am too. It's, but I don't it's know. It's very true to the original. I still pick the original. All right. Speaking of that, we have a question from Colonel Majora 777 again, and he asks: Now that the Zelda series has gone through 2D, portability, motion control, and now 3D, what new types of gameplay do you guys think fans can expect? Well, I don't know what we can expect, but I know what I want. What do you want? Simulation. Well, <laughs> didn't want to be in the game. However, that's probably not likely for quite a while. I think they're going to take that step back, do the... Uh, multiplayer? Multiplayer using, like, the 3DSs with the Wii U. You know what would be really cool, though? What? A Zelda game you play on the, on the uh, Wii U, and then say, oh, somebody else needs the TV or whatever. Just like they were uh, yeah, and you showing at E3, and then you pull the screen onto your controller. Well, we can almost be guaranteed that's what we're going to see. But it'd be even better if you could, say, go on a car trip and do that, and not have to be anywhere near the Wii U. Uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so, the ultimate in portability. And our last question for this episode of The Mailbag comes from Sage of Darkness. And he asks, do you guys think that Hero's Shade from Twilight Princess is the hero of time from Orcarina of Time? You know what? I've heard this theory several times that the Hero's Shade is somehow the one of the previous um, links. And I think it's possible. I doubt it, personally. I think he's supposed to just be a teacher. But it does make sense, you know, when you talk about it. I think it's more likely the Link from Majora's Mask, um, who got lost in the forest looking for his friend, because um, he could have grown up and become a Stalfos, um, just because that's what happens when you get lost in the woods, um, rather than Link from Ocarina of Time. That's so my you opinion. think Majora's Mask? I think it's more likely the Link from Majora's Mask. That's than... fair. You know what? I... I personally think it could be the link from Ocarina of Time, or it could just be some random guy that's supposed to guide you through. Yeah, he's your teacher. He's not... Yeah. I don't know. The only thing, like I said, the thing that doesn't fit with it being from Majora's Mask is the adult and child thing, but, I mean, you could grow up. I it's, don't know. 
Yeah, possibly. So thanks again, guys, for all of your mailbag questions. Uh, keep sending them in, especially voice questions. Voice questions get a front seat when it comes to the mailbag. Right. So um, we will see you guys later, and we'll move on to our next section. Next up, we have a new submission from M. the Great. This is, I think, the second, maybe third time we've heard from him. Um, but he has a little announcement for us all about what he wants to do with his segment of the podcast. And this time, he's going to be talking about Clock Town and specifically architecture. Uh, and how it directly resembles something that exists in the real world. Sounds pretty cool to me. Let's go over to that. Sup, Zidi. Today I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to start off with talking about my new podcast um, submissions that I'm going to do. It's going to be a series. Uh, I haven't found a name for it yet, but I'm hoping that somebody can throw out a name. I definitely take any suggestions, um, and then we'll move on from there. You can send me them on Zidi, or you can send me an email with them. My email is mthegreats at yahoo.com and the greats there's m the great with an s at the end um well you could just give it to me on zd but um i was my my submissions would be about um first of all i would go on to the forums and look at feature forums or forums that are popular and i'd give my opinion or i'd state some quotes uh that have been put on the forum I'd also um, take questions from ZD. You can send me them whichever which way you can. I also started a forum for questions or suggestions for the name on general discussion on ZD. So you just stop by there, or you could just search up and uh, you could go to my profile and search for started threads, and you'll find it from there. Um, I'm open up to any suggestions. The questions that you can give me can be on opinions or just basically anything I that you think um, is cool or some or something that nobody's seen before or noticed. Um, and then I'm also going to be talking about uh, different things I found in Zelda that I don't think people have noticed before. Since today I don't have the resources of getting through the internet, um, my, um, minor blackout. But, um, anyways, I was just going to talk, I did have, um, an odd thing to talk about. I was going to talk about Clock Town's architectural similarity to Latin American and especially Rio de Janeiro um, architecture. Uh, I was going to go ahead and start off with the, um, mud walls, uh, mud slash brick walls, like, there's a mixture between mud and brick substance. Um, you, you find that in a lot of Latin American countries, especially in the alleys and the small little towns. And there's always mud and brick mixtures. Um, and throughout Clock Town, you, you see the buildings or the alleys or the walls of Clock Town. They're, they're, it looks like they're made out of mud wall and brick, um, a mixture. Uh, next thing I want to talk about was this, uh, uh also on the doors. If you look at the doors throughout Clock Town, like, um, when you're entering, like, when you get out of the, um, tower, 
uh, from the happy mask salesman. Man, that guy gives me nightmares. But anyways, um, back to the point. Uh, you, you look at the doors that lead you into other parts of Clocktown, and they have, like, this, like, they have this blue and yellow and orangish border, which, um, I, I, you know, I looked at Latin American countries, and you see that kind of resemblance, and, um, that, that kind of just, you know, uh, came out to me. Also on the ground, if you look on the ground throughout Castletown, uh, uh, uh throughout, um, uh, Clocktown, there's like especially in um when you take the alley up where like there's the bank lady and you know that really creepy bank lady and you keep on going down the dancers do the dance there well right there's where the symbolism like a square within a square within a square within a square that has different colors i i saw i saw something very very similar to that in um rio de janeiro especially uh with the alleys the alleys are near near exact the same as you find in Latin American countries uh, and you see I'm coming back to Rio de Janeiro probably because that has the most relation to it so sorry if you're kind of getting annoyed by saying Rio de Janeiro so many times yeah try saying that time it's five times fast Rio de Janeiro huh. um, next thing I want to talk about were the roofs you see that you see often on top of the roofs that there's some sort of straw or um, mixed with like w there's wood paneling and there's straw on the sides um mixed uh, in a big brick ledge and um in in latin american countries and you look at that here in castletown especially like on top of the ho uh, hotel or the inn or whatever you want to call it there's like straw on the edges and um wood paneling on the top um, so, basically, uh, I'm sorry about the forums and the questions, I mean, I, I guess today was a bad day, but I hope to be able to do that in the next mission, I'm up for ideas, um, any ideas, like, questions or, uh, suggestions for, uh, a, a name, but if you haven't been to ZD, let me tell you what you do. You go on your computer, if you have one, if you don't, I'm not judging, but you go on your computer, on the web browser, you type in www.zeldadungeon.net. You go there, now you look at the upper right hand corner, you click forms, once you click forms, you sign up, once you sign up, Azure Sage is most probably going to send you a message saying hi, and he'll lead you through. That will be the best thing you do in your life, best thing that happened to mine. Alright, uh, I, I definitely bet you will enjoy the forums, and I hope you will enjoy the, the rest of the podcast as well. Thanks. Thanks, Emma Great. You know what? I really never thought about how it actually resembles Latin American architecture. It's a pretty good observation. Thank you so much for your submission.
And now the Keaton quiz. Hi everybody and welcome to the Keaton quiz. We are back on our regular schedule of competition. So Cinnamon is here with us. I am <laughs> She's a little tired. Uh... And coming full circle around again, because he signed up again, is Random Person. What's up, peeps? So we have a, a, a rematch of sorts, even though it is technically still moving forward with the quiz. Yeah, it's true, and we have lots more people who've signed up, so we'll be getting to them too soon. Absolutely. So, um... As usual, I'm going to go through the rules, but guys, you have to actually listen this time because there's been some changes. So, you will be asked a question for, from one of three categories. The Legend of Zelda, Zelda Dungeon, or Z-Tunes. You must buzz in to answer the question. We will call whoever buzzed first. You have 15 seconds to answer. If you don't answer or answer incorrectly, you'll hear this sound and your opponent will get a chance to steal. If neither one of you buzz, the question will be discarded. If you buzz before the question has been read in its entirety, you will not be read the remainder of the question. For a steal, the question will be reread. Correct, answer correct answers will be indicated by this sound, or that sound, and you will be awarded a point. There are 10 questions, you need six to win. Z-Tune questions are worth one point, for giving the correct song title, and a bonus point will be given for giving the correct game. The winner will move on to the next round of the Keaton Quiz and will be challenged by a different opponent. So now, we'd like you both to demonstrate your buzz-in sounds. So Cinnamon is using... Not a bell this time! <laughs> I put my bell at home, I am sad. So Cinnamon doesn't have her bell, so she has this sound for this time. And random person is using the His same one as last ellipsis. time. Sounds good to me. Then are you both ready? Yes. Okay. Then here we go. Question number one. Who is Zelda or category Zelda Dungeon? Who is Zelda Dungeon's official photographer? Cinnamon. Michelle Simpson. That is correct. Hi, Michelle. Say hi to Caleb. <laughs> Question number two. Category. The Legend of Zelda. Who is Dr Dimitri from the Oracle of Seasons? Cinnamon. Isn't he this little, like, like red triceratops thingy? He's a red triceratops. Yes. Um. <laughs> Random person? Who is um, Dimitri from the Oracle of Seasons? Dimitri is that one dude who did that one thing. Uh, I don't <laughs> uh, Is he a Deku scrub? <laughs> no, he's not. Um. Cinnamon, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you a point for triceratops. <laughs> But he's definitely a triceratops or some kind of funny dinosaur thingy. He's a little red dinosaur thingy! Technically, he is an alligator creature. 
because he helps you by getting across the water in a town from a town and from Toki Island to the mainland. Alligator? Yeah. That's the same thing as a dinosaur thingy, really, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Fine. Our judge says no, so no. <laughs> okay. Um, question number three. Category, The Legend of Zelda. How many magic containers are there to collect in The Adventure of Link? Random person. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say five. That is incorrect. Cinnamon, how many magic containers are there to collect in The Adventure of Link? I honestly don't have the slightest clue, but I have a feeling the number eight was kind of important to the game. Let's go with that. Let's go with eight. <laughs> that is also incorrect. The answer is four. So, oh. random person, you were darn close. <laughs> okay. Question number four. Category Z-Tunes. Name the title of this song. Random person. Um, is that them? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. And can you tell me what game it's from? Majora's Mask. Yes, it is! Doubling up the points. Random person's at two. Cinnamon is at one. Question number five. Category, Zelda Dungeon. How many former slash semi-retired staff members are there? Cinnamon. Is it like three or something? Officially? It is three. We have a tie game. Tied up. Alright. Question number six. Category, Z-Tunes. Name the title of this song. Cinnamon. Sounds like Kakariko Village Twilight Princess version. <laughs> that was two correct answers. Yay! Cinnamon's at four and random person's at two. Random person, you're falling behind. I blame the internet. <laughs> Question number seven. Category, The Legend of Zelda. What is the only minigame in The Legend of Zelda? The original. Oh, I guess this is a tough question. Five seconds remaining. Random person. Um, let's, uh, talk about, uh, fishing? That is incorrect. Cinnamon, what is the only minigame in The Legend of Zelda? The original. Uh, let me take a random educated guess and say it has something to do with digging. I don't know. With what, sorry? Digging? I don't know. <laughs> That is also incorrect. <laughs> um, the answer is... The money-making game. Very original, isn't it? <laughs> Very. 
Question number eight. Category, The Legend of Zelda. What happens when you play Zelda's Lullaby or A Song of Storms next to a gossip stone in Ocarina of Time? Random person. Berries. That is correct! Random's trying to make a comeback. Question number nine. Category, Z-Tunes. Name the title of this song. Random person. Um, gonna go out and limp here and say, uh, Ganon's Tower. That is incorrect. Cinnamon, can you tell me what the title of the song was? You remember how I have that thing where I can remember a tune, but I cannot remember for the life of me what it's called or why I've heard it. I'm having that problem right now. <laughs> is that your answer? <laughs> sure. <laughs> that is incorrect. The correct answer is the color dungeon, and that comes from The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening DX. There you go. <laughs> Last question. Random person's at three and Cinnamon is at four. <laughs> question number ten. Category Zelda Dungeon. Who has the most high scores in the forum arcade? Random person. Uh, is that, um, Hero of Music? No, it is not. Cinnamon? Who has the most high scores in the forum arcade? I don't feel like it changes on like a monthly basis, but I'm going to go with the first person on the top of my head and say Kyberian. That is also incorrect. The correct answer is Tim, and he actually tends to limp at the top of that list. I was going to say, it hasn't changed in a very long time. <laughs> well, I haven't checked in a very long time. <laughs> I don't pay attention, because I would not have guessed Tim. Well, there you go. So that means Cinnamon is our champion once again! <laughs> Random person, you only lost by one point! Again. Again. <laughs> Random person, you have disappointed me. I disappointed me? <laughs> Zelda, it's supposed to be my area of expertise. Now what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> Well, you can always, uh, buy things with C. Apparently, um, Cinnamon's still really good at this, even if she's a little bit loopy. <laughs> oh my. What? <laughs> Alright, well, thanks for listening to the Keaton Quiz, guys, and I guess we're gonna have to find some more people to take on Cinnamon. She's still our reigning champ. <laughs> thanks again guys for listening uh just remember keep those submissions coming in and your mailbag questions and your voice questions 
and your Keaton quiz applications. Though that list is really long, and we only do one once a month, so it, I'm sorry if it feels like we're taking forever. We, we will get to everybody, we promise. For sure. So, this was Din. And this was Rish. And this was Z Talk, the Zelda Dungeon Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>